Hello ninjas and ninjas, and welcome to another episode of the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen, best-selling digital marketing author and head ninja at Exposure Ninja. In this episode, I'm joined by Kyle Racky from Proposify, and Kyle has used SEO and outreach to build his traffic and his conversions to a stage now where they're getting two to 300 signups per day. So in this episode, we're gonna talk through the process that Carl has used to build up their visibility that much. He's gonna take you through his outreach process, the sort of publications that he's going after, what they write about on their blogs, and also give you some conversion tips for your website as well. So whether you're a SaaS company or whether you're a product or service business, it doesn't really matter. This episode is packed full of really useful stuff. Anyway, I hope you enjoy it. And don't forget, if you want a free review of your website and digital marketing by our awesome Exposure Ninja team, then head over to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. A few short questions to fill in, and then we'll send you a 20 minute video showing you exactly how to improve the visibility and performance of your website. That's ExposureNinja.com forward slash review. Anyway, enjoy the show. Kyle, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Glad to be on here. So I found you through being on your podcast and, and then checking out Proposify, which for those listeners who don't know Proposify, maybe you could kind of give a bit of an intro into exactly what it does and who it's for. Sure. So I used to run a web design agency and proposals were a huge pain in the ass, which I'm sure they are for you and, and most of your listeners who write them. So a long time ago, I just started kind of coming up with sketches and wireframe ideas in my basement. And then it took years later and we actually got it off the ground. So Proposify is a SaaS product and it's for people who write proposals to help them save time, streamline the process and ultimately help them close more deals right in the browser. You're growing Proposify online. Obviously, I noticed that you've got a couple of salespeople, but primarily you're growing the business through digital marketing, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our we hired our first salespeople only about six months, six to eight months ago. We had been around for three years, like full time. So but the majority of our growth and we've been growing, I think last year we grew about 150% year over year. So we, the majority of that growth has all been organic, either through word of mouth, referral, a lot of search. We're probably about 80% organic search is what makes up our, uh, our traffic and our highest converting clients. Awesome. So that's what I really want to dig in today is your content strategy and your SEO piece. So take me back for what, you know, when Proposify was first starting, you guys didn't have anyone on board. What were the first steps that you used to start bringing in some traffic to the site and to start getting some signups? I mean, that's a great question. I think that people, when they're starting early stage products and they're kind of at the MVP stage and they're just trying to test out the market, you know, sometimes people want, they want to hit a home run right off the bat and it's very difficult. So when we started, basically it was just me going out and talking to people. There was, I, I ran a few AdWords campaigns and I didn't expect those to be profitable. It was really just like a quick way to bring some traffic to a landing page and see how it converts test out like people searching for stuff like online proposal software, that kind of thing. So it, we did a bit of advertising in the early days just to get some foot, you know, uh, foot traffic in the door. But then very early on, like before the product was launched, I started a blog specifically for the product and started coming out with content around like how to write a great proposal, things of that nature. And it was a long, slow Hall. I think a lot of people don't realize that about content marketing or they get discouraged if they 
write three blog posts and they get two visitors to the site. Like it's basically you're, you're going from being completely out of shape to being an Iron Man or whatever. Like that's not going to the gym twice and then expecting to see huge results. That's like years of grind every, every day. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, I guess you're, you're looking for little glimmers of, of progress, right? You're looking for your traffic ticking up five, 10% per month and just those little hopes. And then you notice that one of your blog posts is ranking reasonably well and bringing in some traffic. And that gives you the, uh, I guess, the, the incentive to continue. H- how long were you really kind of pounding away at the blog before you saw any meaningful traction? It's hard to put a number on. So we basically started the blog in 2013 and then just it, there hasn't been any massive spike in terms of engagement or traffic. It's been very slow and steady to get to the point where we're at. And I still don't even feel like we're um, where we should be. Of course, you're never really done or you never really hit that point of success. I think we're always looking to kind of like how much better could we be? How much more traffic and whatnot could it bring? But uh, it's been very, very gradual, very slow incline. I think what the big, the biggest home runs really are guest blogging. You know, I, w- I wanted to make sure we had a, a decent blog so that when I went out and tried to get guest post submissions, then they could look back and say, okay, you know, he's the real deal. Like he can actually write. And I got a guest post on a, a, another SaaS company blog called Gather Content, which is like content management for agencies. Went to Smashing Magazine, wrote a a post a little while later on how to basically how to start a podcast, just kind of went anywhere where I thought our potential customers would be in sort of the web design and marketing space and just tried to like first go out where they hang out, create some content and then bring them back to our site. When you're when you're identifying these publications, what's the process that you would use to secure those guest posts? How would you reach out to them? And how do you find them in the first place? Well, I mean, some of them, and this this really goes back to when you're picking a market to go after, go after yourself first, like make a product that solves your own problem for your own market, because you, you already, you're already an insider. You know how the industry works. You know where people go to, to learn about digital marketing or web design or whatever it is. So I think that, you know, that was a probably a big reason why we were able to get some early wins. But yeah, it's just kind of keeping an eye out for blogs and, and publications, seeing if they offer or if they have guest writers submit, and then just trying to find a topic that you think they haven't covered before. And I mean, a quick way to do that is to ter- type your topic into Google and then uh, put site colon the URL. So if I was trying to write a post about podcasting for Smashing Magazine, I'd search podcasting site colon smashingmagazine.com. And then of course, it's going to only search within that domain for those topics. And then you can see what people have written in the past, where there's any potential holes that they haven't covered. And so that gives you a really good excuse to reach out and be like, hey, I just did this. I detailed and documented the whole process. And I'm giving you an exclusive article just for you guys hasn't been published anywhere. And you'd be amazed how many people will say yes to that and then start driving traffic back to your site. That, that's, that's awesome. That's, that's such a good way of identifying what they've covered on a particular topic in the past. When you're putting these articles together, what's your goal? Is your goal obviously to drive people back to Proposify, but how overtly are you doing this rather than just purely just giving content and trying to help people as much as you possibly can? I mean, I think you always, you always look at it first as like, how do I give? How do I offer value? How do I help somebody with a problem? So I'm just going to keep using that example of the podcasting article, you know, just as an example, because 
what I did was I started a podcast. I realized that it was really difficult to find one, one article or one video that detailed the whole process. And I mean, like little details, like how do I get it on iTunes? Like what, where do I go? What button do I click? What, you know, meta tags do I need in my RSS feed to make sure? How do I track downloads? Like there was no one article. I had to piecemeal it all together by running different searches. And I just thought that would be a killer post if it was all put together in one article. So, you know, stepping back, it's like, how do I deliver insane value to somebody? Basically, again, solving my own problem. And then, of course, there's always opportunity to mention yourself, right? Like when you're when I'm writing that podcast article, it's like, you know, uh, we started a podcast and it's called this. And of course, you link to it. So sometimes other sites are a little, they get a little weirded out when you post links to your own website in the article itself. Some of them will ask you to take it out. But I would say, you know, anywhere where there's a, there's a good opportunity where it's natural to talk about yourself, do so. And if they make you take it out, well, at least you get a link in the, in the footer bio. Exactly. At least you get the link. And how much traffic did you find these, these sites were driving? Was this enough to start bringing you in leads or did you have to use other ways of doing outreach and getting yourself featured as well? Yeah, it would definitely, it would bring in a certain amount. I wouldn't say it was a, a silver bullet and it, it made our business, but it was definitely something that always contributed to everything. And the thing about content is that you're always getting the search benefit, even if you don't get the direct traffic from it. So you might write an article that doesn't get a whole lot of visits, but if it's niche enough and there's not enough articles like it, but there's even a decent amount of searches, you're going to show up in search engines for it. And even just the fact that you've got quality content that gets published a lot. You know, there's a little bit of Google search factor in there as well that'll bump you up a little bit. So for us, I mean, we were getting most of our organic search from just people typing proposal software, online proposals, those types of things. And then what the, the really big thing that helped us was once we started coming out with proposal templates for very targeted industry keywords, that was a massive game changer for us. So we realized that there's only going to be so much demand for people actually searching for our type of software. And if they do, if you get somebody typing online proposal software and your site comes up, they're very likely going to make a, a great customer for you. And it's a pretty easy acquisition. But then there's some of the longer term play there, right? So if I write a, a proposal template called web design proposal template, you're going to have a ton of people searching for that. They're going to come to your site. And now you have to kind of convince them why you don't want to just download a free Word document. You actually want to try out our software. So really, the, on, the, the proposal templates have been, I would say, if, you know, there's never a silver bullet. There's never one thing that drives all of your success. But if I had to say anything did, coming out with proposal templates with targeted industry keywords and getting the search traffic from that and then converting those into free trials has been our probably our biggest home run. That's awesome. And I guess that that is exactly the, the process that, you know, that's what content marketing should be, right? It's providing an exact solution to someone's problem and then saying, hey, if you want a bit more help with fixing the solution, then why not give us a try? Right. Exactly. And if I can add this as well, we always think in terms of at least digital marketers think in terms of lead magnets and like, okay, so I wrote a really good blog post that people are searching for. They find it, they read the post, and now I've got to like throw a modal in their face with like download our free ebook or whatever. I think what's really helped us is the fact that our lead magnet is actually built into our product. So 
as opposed to download an ebook and then read the ebook and hopefully you get enough value from it that you know we can drip emails on you and convince you to sign up for a trial, which by the way, we do that too. But the fact that the proposal template that people are searching for is actually baked into our product has been, you know, a huge reason why that's been so successful. It's like they're reading a blog post or they're finding a um you know, a web design proposal template or an inbound marketing proposal template. And then when they actually, you know, put in their name and email address to try it out, they're not just downloading a file, they're getting bumped right into our product and, and they, they've inadvertently signed up for a free trial. Yeah, yeah, I completely get it. The, the lead magnet thing's kind of interesting, isn't it? Because we often find that getting people into a free consultation or just kind of starting them on the sales process, which I'm guess, I, I guess is what you guys are doing by getting people into a free trial. If we have a consultation or we do something or, you know, if we're working with a client, if they're actually beginning the relationship with something other than just a free ebook or a free download, which seems to have less uh, lower perceived value, that seems to be a better way to convert people. And it also seems that the leads that that sort of approach brings are higher quality, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. Like I think sometimes those offers that are really top of funnel, they might be great at, at bringing in email addresses, but you know, obviously you've got to look at the quality of those leads and figure out which ones are actually going to make good customers knowing that you can't call them up. And I mean, that's been a, a big challenge for us. Part of the reason why we hired salespeople was because we actually got really good at generating leads to the point that we're now doing like two to 300 new trials a day into the product. Jeez. Obviously, they're not all going to be super high quality. So it's just like now it's about how do you look at kind of external figures, industry size or industry size, revenue, that kind of thing to be able to qualify them for phone calls and demos and that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that, dude, that's awesome volume. That is uh, that is fantastic. I, I wanted to ask a, a bit more about your blog because your blog, I think, is is a really, really good resource. It shows up all over the place. What what's the process that you use to identify the topics that you're going to talk about on your blog? That's a that's a great question. Like our process has been constantly evolving for the last several years and we've just always been trying to look at, you know, what are we doing now and how can it be better? And so we basically did that at the end of, of this past year, 2016 into 2017, we came up with a new strategy. I've begun realizing the fact that I'm a decent writer, but it takes me a long time to write anything half decent. So, you know, when you when you think about quality and quantity, which I think is always the challenge with a blog, like how do you get enough quantity that it's worth it there? You don't want to be coming out with one blog post a month, even if the content's amazing. So you need a certain amount of rhythm and a certain amount of momentum, which just comes with coming out with two posts every week and not missing a week. But then also, how do you make it really high high quality? It also helps having a slightly bigger team now where we've got more resources for it. Basically, our marketing team is made up of four people, counting myself. We've got somebody who's really good at you know analytics and growth and more of the quantitative side of things. We've got a really great writer and we've got a designer, which I think the four of us together, that makes for a pretty well-rounded marketing team, even at that small size. But basically what we do is we sit around, we've got a Trello uh, board where we put post ideas for things. Sometimes, you know, it's just ideas each of us come up with like in the shower or commuting or whatever, or what I've done more so recently is talking to customers. And if they're talking to me about the product, I'll also say like, hey, what blogs do you read? Or, 
like, what's the biggest challenge that you're facing in your business? It doesn't have to be proposals. It could be anything. And they'll be like, oh, it's really tough to like bring in new leads or it's really hard to be profitable from our projects or whatever that topic is. I'm just like, oh, intriguing. Okay. And then I put that into Trello. And so what we're doing now is we're almost treating it more like agile sprints in development, where instead of just doing it one post at a time, we actually come up with like a four week sprint and go, okay, what are the eight posts going to be for this next sprint? We figure out what the topics are and then we go away. And it's usually me kind of like, I'll I'll now sit in front of a camera and just talk, which I'm a little better at than writing. And then once I have that video made, Jen, our writer, will go and actually write an article from that. Patrick will work on getting it optimized for SEO, tweaking the title a little bit. Steve will come up with the graphics for it. And so doing that, we're just like a well-oiled machine now where we can pump out a fair, you know, a fair uh, amount of content for the small team that it is. That's awesome. Such a, such a clean and tidy workflow that minimizes the time investment on your side. Fantastic. So um, you aim for two posts a week, right? Is that something that you've experimented with or that's just the quantity that you find you can push out consistently? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have hard numbers to back it up. Generally, it's one video that's just me or it's me and somebody else on the team talking about a, a topic. And then the other one is an interview like this where I have somebody jump on Skype and record a 20-minute interview with me. And then our writer will kind of come up with an article from that. So we're, we've been doing all like video, audio, and written form for every single post for so far in 2017. And that's kind of worked really well to just create content in a format that appeals to, to everybody. You know, like if somebody would prefer to just listen to a podcast on the on the ferry or on the subway, they can do that. If they're the type that likes to watch videos like on the can or whatever, they can do that. You know what I mean? What, however people consume that content, just making sure that we're there. Yeah, yeah, I love it. I wanted to ask you about your social media as well. Obviously, you're pretty active on Facebook and, uh, and Twitter in particular. How do you see social media? Do you see it as a lead generation opportunity? Do you see it as engagement with your audience? Do you see it as social proof to try and increase conversion rates? Mixture of the above? What's your approach here? I think it really depends on the platform. You know, like Twitter, for example, Twitter, for whatever reason, has seemed to be like the support center for people, right? Like when you're frustrated with a product, what's the first thing you do if like, if you're a jerk and you don't email support, you go right to Twitter. Hey, this is broken. This isn't working. So we are, you know, Proposify uses Twitter a lot for that. Of course, we'll publish our content and that sort of thing. Facebook, I mean, really, other than just publishing your content there, retargeting has been huge for us. That's where we spend 90% of our paid media is with Facebook retargeting, pixeling people, you know, people, I'll give you an example. So people who start a trial with us, Patrick, our kind of analytics, very left brain guy, he will retarget them with downloading our free mobile app. And that has actually increased our, our trial to paid conversion. So it's, it's kind of amazing how you can actually target people based on what they do within your product outside of Facebook. And then when they come back to Facebook, send them a relevant ad based on where they're at in your sales funnel. Even just getting people downloading a free mobile app has increases the likelihood that they'll become a customer. So, I mean, that's Facebook, Instagram, we're very much experimenting that with that and trying to figure that side of it out in terms of like, how do we create great content that's meaningful and engaged in engaging. So, I mean, yeah, it's a, it's a really loaded question. I think every platform has their own opportunities and also their own challenges. 
I suppose one of the challenges that people have with something like Twitter, for example, is when people use it as a support platform, it's kind of a double-edged sword, isn't it? For you as a for you as a SaaS company, you have to respond there, and people see you responding, and then they expect more response. So, do you feel that you're kind of forced into checking Twitter a lot, and you have to have someone who's kind of real time there, just keeping up with support tickets, or is it still at the stage where you're not getting enough tickets that it's a a massive drain of resources. I mean, I'd say every day somebody's tweeting us about something. You know, sometimes it's praise, you know, but other times it's this is broken or not working. The great thing about Twitter, at least right now, I don't know, they might change it because their share prices continues to dip, but the 140 character limit obviously means that you can only be so detailed in your response to a support question. So it's generally the response that when somebody goes, oh, this is broken, unless it's something we can answer in 140 characters, we just go, hey, DM us your email address to let us know who you are and we'll look you up and support will reach out to help you. And that that works pretty well. I actually, I love your uh, your Twitter support angles. I was looking through earlier and I saw that you're not afraid of kind of calling people out if they tell you stupid things and... There was one. Uh, there was one comment about proofreading or something. Someone missed some spelling errors, and they suggested that you fire your proofreader. So you went and found a, some kind of error on their website and tweeted them back. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that was funny. So in our in our team Slack channel at Proposify, we've got like a channel social media where like tweets where we're at mention go, so the whole team can read it and see what's going on. So yeah, somebody was giving us a hard time. You know, we sent out a survey. It had a typo in it. It was like a Friday or something. Jen, who you know is our writer, she missed it and she's like, ah, you know, I screwed up or whatever. But they were just kind of being dicks about it. And uh, somebody on our team actually found that when they clicked the link to go to their website, it brought up like an SSL certificate error or something. So we didn't really want to send it from the company, but I don't really have a problem being a dick to other dicks. You know what I mean? So I just tweeted them back and was like, oh yeah, you know. You're, uh, you should probably fire your IT person too because your site doesn't load. And they never got back to me, which I was, I was disappointed by. Yeah, that's sad, isn't it? They're probably uh, scrambling around with their HTTPS now. Um, <laughs> do you do any outreach on your social media or is it this is just somewhere that you're putting out content and answering inbound tickets? I don't do a whole lot of cold outreach because it. I just personally, I don't really, I don't appreciate when people spam me with, outbound kind of, hey, do you want to try out our product stuff? I just don't think it's how we buy anymore. I don't think people are generally apt to it. I mean, cold email still works to a degree if it's done really well. But uh, I don't know. I just think it's I'd rather warm people up with with like honey than (laughs) you know what I mean? Than try to go knock on their doors and try to convince them to try something they don't even know what it's about. So I'm a big believer in like the the Gary V jab jab right hook kind of thing of offer value, get people loving your brand. And then you, you almost don't have to ask. Yeah, no, I, com- I completely agree. While we've got you, we, uh, we don't often get to talk to, to SaaS owners on, on the Explosion Ninja podcast. And we, we get a lot of SaaS people get in touch asking various questions about how to get more signups from their site. So I just wanted to change track a little bit and ask you about conversion optimization and your, your sign up process. Now, obviously, I've been through the process of, of signing up on the site. I actually signed up for the free trial before I remembered that I'd been on your podcast. Um, and then I was like, oh, Proposify, this rings a bell. And then I went and looked back through my emails. I was like, oh, yes, Kyle, sweet. How 
many tests have you run with the um, with the kind of front end sign up process? And what have you found is is really key to converting website visitors into a SaaS trial? Mm. I mean, you, you know, you could get me talking about onboarding probably all day because I think it's a it's a fascinating subject and it's one that every SaaS company needs to they need to go through their own onboarding on a regular basis. I think maybe every month just sign up for your product and try it out and try to think of it as a new user. So in terms of conversion optimization, and if we're talking about just some, a visitor lands on your site and you want them to sign up to something like a free trial, generally that's not too hard if the message is really clear. Like I'm not one to really fuss around too much with like, oh, if we increase the, the padding on our forms by five pixels, is that going to increase conversion? A lot of times, like as long as you're following basic standard design patterns, people will figure your site out pretty quickly. Things that we have tried, they're almost no brainers, but like we used to do stupid stuff. So we used to put like a CAPTCHA on our signup because we're like, oh, we don't want too much spam, right? CAPTCHA will destroy your, your, uh, your signup conversion, right? Or having people ver- validate or verify their email address after they get in, like you'll just automatically cut off about a third of people who sign up for your trial. So just removing any and all barriers is kind of step one. The only other thing I would say about sign-up conversion to really test is the language, language of your buttons, language of your headings. The, you know, almost one of the easiest hacks to do, if you think of it as a hack, is talk to your customers and just say, why did you sign up for the, this product, Proposify or whatever SaaS product you run? And you'll find through the course of those conversations, people will use the exact same language. So like, for example, with us, our headline might have at one been at one point been, you know, beautiful proposal software or create beautiful proposals in minutes, right? Then we're talking to people and we're like, so why did you sign up to Proposify? And they go, oh, I just really wanted to streamline my proposal process. And so we kept hearing the word streamline over and over and over again. And then we were like, that needs to be the headline. So we changed the headline to streamline your proposal process and conversion shot up. So talking like your customers is huge. Yeah, this is, and people think about keywords and I think they get caught up in keyword research and looking at data and numbers, but actually nothing replaces just asking your customer why you buy or what would you look for if you're looking for us. And you're right, you start hearing the same things over and over again, don't you? So this is, Yes, it's useful from an SEO perspective, but actually also it's really important from a conversion perspective. If you're talking the same language as your customer, you've got so much more rapport and you've got a much better chance of making the conversion. Well, you want people when they look when they read that headline and land on your product page, they you want them to think this was made specifically for me, like how did they read my mind? And if you can get there, you're winning. Awesome. Carl, this has been absolutely amazing. Where can people find out more information about you, follow you personally for your hilarious Twitter comebacks, and uh, also check out Proposify? Uh, so if you want to follow me, I'm uh, Kyle Racky, K-Y-L-E-R-A-C-K-I on Twitter. You know, just Google my name. I'm, I'm around on different platforms, depending on what you use. And you can check out the product, Proposify, P-R-O-P-O-S-I-F-Y, biz still working on getting the com. it's a bit of a challenge and you know check out the product and um also check out the blog and youtube videos and stuff if, if you guys want questions answered let me know and we'll make it a future post 
Yes, and also check out the podcast as well. Proposify Biz Chat, really, really good podcast featuring yours truly. So you can check out the other episodes. You've already heard enough of me. Your episode was awesome, by the way. And and, uh, did you like the title? Actually, can I quickly say this? Your episode what became a debate between me and Jen, the writer, on what the headline of your of your episode should be. So okay, I, I, I she had one that was like kind of you know very broad about like getting leads and using a book to get leads, which I thought was good. But I wanted to go super specific, so it ended up being how this former drummer wrote a book to build a 60-person agency, and we actually tested that in different emails to try to uh, figure which got more clicks. So thank you for that. That's cool. That's the curiosity thing, isn't it? The former drummer immediately makes it kind of stand out. Oh, former drummer rather than just some generic thing which kind of blends in a bit. Absolutely. I I agree with you. (laughs) Carl, thank you so much for joining us and thank you everyone for tuning in. My pleasure. Thank you.